Daddy. So just trying to manage all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you know where the iPad is? Yes. Okay. Yes. One show. Okay, let's have a <laughs> I'm Liz Paul, and you're listening to Life Soundtrack, the podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Ohio songwriter Adam Remnant. Adam grew up in Dayton and has now lived in Athens, Ohio for almost two decades, where he honed his writing and performing chops with the band Southeast Engine. Sitting in his yard on a beautiful September day, we talked about the adventure of self-recording and producing his upcoming full-length album, the pet name for his touring van, and of course, parenting. So a lot of, a lot of the things we're going to talk about on this podcast has to do with family, parenting, and creativity. Um, and so in your case, your craft is writing music, being a part-time touring musician, um, and a producer, and a sound engineer. So your most recent album, well, EP, uh, When I Was a Boy, has songs specifically about your childhood. So right. can you bring us back to what it was <laughs> like growing up in Dayton? Well, I say that the EP is uh, it's about adulthood, and it's called When I Was a Boy, <laughs> which just the irony of that. But I think the... Yeah, I, I think it was just sort of when I was writing that EP is a, childhood is a sort of um, kind of painted as a sort of idyllic setting. So when did you start playing music and when did you start playing music specifically with your brother? I started playing guitar when I was in middle school or something like that. And um, now there's actually another brother that's closer to me in age, Joseph Remnant. And him and I played guitar and music together all growing up. And I really didn't start playing music with Jesse because I'm six years older than Jesse. I didn't start playing music with him until um, he joined uh, my old band, Southeast Engine, uh, in like, I want to say 2005-ish. Right when he was like out of high school. And... So that was about the time Jesse and I started playing together. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you like yeah. the same kind of music growing up? Or was it such a big gap you weren't really... Um, like, yeah, it was a big gap. And so, you know, when I was in middle school, um, he was still just a kid, like seven years old. And But there was a moment like when I was in high school, shortly before I left um, and moved out around when I started college, where... Or Jesse told told me that he remembers me like showing him Weezer, <laughs> and yes. Weezer sort of blew his mind, and that was that was his band that sort of alerted him to the magic of music. I guess. <laughs> nice. So let's talk about touring a little bit. You mentioned um, your previous band, Southeast Engine. You know, did you go on week long, month long tours with that band? Yeah, we would do a lot. Um, I think the longest we ever went out for was about five, six weeks, somewhere around there. Um, and But we would do a lot of weekends, and we would do like one-week tours, two-week tours, a lot of 10-day tours. 10 days is kind of a nice, like, start on a weekend and then play through the week and finish out the next weekend. Yeah. You can cover a lot of ground that way. And that was, but, that was BC before children? That was BC, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good way to put it. <laughs> I haven't heard that. That's good. So, well, now that you do have two adorable daughters, um, yeah. and 
did you tour a little bit with the last EP? And what do you think touring will look like with your new uh, LP you're working on? Yeah, I did some weekends. Um, nothing really too substantial beyond that. But I sort of tried to map out on the schedule. I decided I was going to do, on the heels of the release, I did every third weekend I would go play out of town. So play weekend, home for two weekends, gone a weekend. Nice. And some of those weekends would be like three or four days. Um, I think the longest was five days. But so even just doing that, it could still kind of, you know, one trip is, you know, the destination is New York or another trip, the destination is Chicago and you just book other dates around that. Or the destination is Nashville. So I think we did those three big cities and then and then just some other weekends, just more general Midwest stuff. Mm-hmm. So are, are Roro and Adeline old enough to have an opinion on your music and or an opinion on you being gone? They, I don't know about if they have an opinion on me being gone. I think the way I did it, I was not gone very long at it for any serious length of time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was too disruptive. It felt like I was home most of the time. Yeah. But in terms of my music, I'm always listening to mixes in the car. So I am constantly testing how stuff sounds in the car while I'm driving them places right. and I'm just blasting it. <laughs> <laughs> and so they just tolerate my music at this point, I think. Or I'm or just earlier today I was turning the stereo up loud trying to see how mixes were playing on it. And uh, Adeline comes down and is trying to tell me something. She just turns the volume all the way down. I'm like, I'm trying to work. <laughs> trying to work here. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about the album. I, I was reading on a different interview you did recently about how you said um, this album is about reconciling the fact that you stayed in Ohio. Oh, right. Well, I think, I guess, I was trying to think of uh, starting to conceptualize how I write the press release or tell somebody to include in a press release for it, what it's about. Um, I think it's that conflict of dreams versus realities, you know, sort of uh, life is what happens when you're making other plans or something sort of deal. Uh, So I think that's it. So, and part of it is geography, the idea of staying in Ohio, living in Ohio, in sort of flyover country and what that, uh, I don't know, maybe kind of what you're doing with this podcast, like what's it mean to be an artist and under these circumstances, you know, and how do you, um, what does that look like and how do you make that work? You know, something along those lines. Switching gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about sort of your creative process with recording this album. I, I know you, it seems like you sort of bemoan the fact that, it, and I'm using uh-huh. italicis, bemoan, <laughs> uh-huh. ha- the hand quotations, yeah. the fact that it's taken so long, but right. there's, you know, there's reasons for that. And right. can you expound on that and kind of your creative process? Well, of- I'd say some of the reasons were I had always previously recorded in studios. And then when I started working on solo stuff, and when I had kids, I just decided that I'm going to learn how to do this, how to record an engineer. And that process has taken me a long time to just learn it and get 
decent at it. Um, I think being in studios and <clears throat> having sat in on tons of mixing sessions and stuff gave me at least a, a sense of what happens, but I didn't know how to execute it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I know I need to do this, but how do I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of that. So, um, so there was a learning curve for sure. Um, and then also just being, you know, life, having a lot going on. Um, between kids and I changed jobs and just trying to manage all that. So since you had to kind of learn all that stuff on your own and put all, you know, sort of sweat and tears and time into this, do you feel like you're going to be, I don't want to say more proud because all of your albums are kind of like your children. You're not more one proud. Yeah, well, it definitely seems harder fought for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, fought, I, I will have said I fought for this one more yeah. than any record I've made, I think. Um, just because, like, even the EP was really sort of just an afterthought of this full... Like, the, the full-length record has always been the plan, and the EP was really just, I want to put something out. I don't want to wait till this is done. Um, so I took one of the songs, the title track, When I Was a Boy, was originally slated for the full-length, but... It kind of stood out, and it also seemed kind of like it could exist in its own right. So I just stole that song, and then I had a couple other songs that were kind of... um, I also didn't think we were going to make the record, so I just kind of threw them on there, and then I recorded a couple more. And so that's how the EP came about. Mm -hmm. So, But it's always been this ongoing project of completing this full-length album. Don't you know that you are home to me? Should I choose to leave? And I could stay here just as easily. Can you tell us a little bit about your creative practice? Like, when do you write and when do you, like, when did you record this? Like, nights and weekends or when the kids were asleep type Yeah, deal? it was definitely recorded here and there. Um, actually, getting the recording to happen was the hardest part. Like, making the time to. One of the other reasons it took longer is because I'm playing more of the instruments. And so just something as simple as writing a drum part. It wouldn't be just me going down and be like, okay, I'm going to go record the drum part. No, it'd be like three nights of me working out a drum part. Yeah. Practicing the drum part. And then finally recording the drum part. And then like a night of me editing those drums to make it <laughs> <laughs> sound decent. So, so basically so, we underestimate so drummers. Drum tracks <laughs> cost me five nights minimum. All the drummers listening are like, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. should have called me. But here's the thing. I, I, so I guess the other reason I did so many things on my own was because it was so hard to block out large pieces of time. So, and just working with someone else's schedule and paying someone, I just had no money to, I mean, but here, I will say this, once you get into that, into the home recording thing, you don't save any money. (laughs) I thought I would save money by not going into a studio, but once you start getting into home recording, recording, you start seeing all these different pieces of equipment you want. And mm-hmm. so you just end up spending at least the same amount of money on the equipment. I mean, it's cool that you own the equipment, but when I go to record the next project, I'll want more equipment again right. and I'll yeah. spend money again, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, 
all the money I was making from shows was still going into recording, basically. Or I, but I did have like more money because it was a solo thing. I would pay musicians like per thing they recorded. So mm-hmm. um, very modest amounts are very nice to help me out. So. Yeah. But uh, so just having a little bit of money to pay musicians too for giving their time and yeah. talent. Cool. Um, do you ever feel like there are parts of being a parent that overlap with being a musician or vice versa? Um, how so? I'm struggling. Well, like, so for example, you know, I'm, I'm the mom in my band just by de facto. I mean, you know, just like, you know, kind of taking charge and not calling the shots, but just momming everyone. Like, are you drinking enough water? And yes, you know, things like Um, that. We make jokes when I play, when I go play shows with my band about the, like the minivan that we use to tour around in. And, or for example, before we got that van, I sort of hinted to Amanda, we should get a van, we should get a minivan, you know, we got, you know, two kids, you know, we need a van. And, uh, or this might have been before we had Rosalie, maybe we knew Rosalie was on the way or something, but was talking about how we should get a van and Amanda sort of was like, I know why you want this van. (laughs) (laughs) You want to use it for music. It has benefited both arenas and then um and then the when the band is traveling in the van we lovingly refer to the van as dad that's the van's name dad, dad. Yeah. yeah dad the van the, dad the van yeah. dad the van yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. you said like being mom i'm not the parent on the road i'm like just eating junk food all the time <laughs> you're the kid <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no responsibility <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome I think it's like that I when I when we leave for a weekend I'm sort of none of my bandmates have kids and so I'm always sort of savoring the time away you know and they don't quite understand that right I'm sort of like too excited you know (laughs) it's like we gotta really have fun (laughs) let's do this up (laughs) that's awesome yeah laughing too hard at all the jokes you know that's me My jokes. I'm laughing too hard at my own jokes. (laughs) So what is AMP? AMP is Stewart's Opera House After School Music Program, um, which is a difficult acronym because after school music program, you have to assume after school is just one word. One word. word. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) After music program. Okay. Um, But it's basically middle school or high school students um, come there once, once a week for about two to three hours and they form musical ensembles or bands and work throughout the year with that group um, to learn, learn how to play instruments. If some of them don't know how to play when they start, some of them do, but then they learn how to play together and they sometimes write music together or some, somebody writes music and they arrange songs and then it all culminates in a performance at Nelsonville Music Festival for them but um so it's really cool getting to yeah all my like day job stuff right now is sort of music related which is cool I do that and then I work at Hawking teaching in the music department there uh on more of the production end of things so um it's been good it's good that's really great. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, too, because you have, it, like you said, music 
basically 24 hours a day in your life. Does that have any bearing on your creative stuff or is it just sort of a two different worlds? Well, like I was saying earlier about learning the production end of things. And then as I was learning, I got the opportunity to teach a production course. So that expedited my learning process also. Um, so it's been a huge revelation to me to have better understandings of the technology and the tools uh, and the techniques, technology, tools, techniques. Got a little alliteration there. Three T's. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> just had to point that out. Um, <laughs> the English major. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so just have, yeah, some, some wrapping my head around that. And kind of have embraced that and sort of dove in the deep end of um, learning that stuff and enjoying it. It's really a lot of fun. Um, and my brother's got the bug, too. So we're always talking about microphones or um, preamps and miking techniques. And so it's fun. But, yeah. So. And the amp program, I have to say, having gone... What this is the, is it the fifth year, or more? This will be my fifth year, and I was there the first year. Okay, so yeah. So yeah, the fifth this year, will be year five. And it's um, if if our listeners haven't gone and heard them at the Nelson Blue Music Festival, it's the highlight of many people's many 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 festival goers uh, weekends yeah. because now they've gotten to know like hey it's going to be you know you got to go see yeah. at eleven a.m. the amp <laughs> you know and it's it's inspiring. These students are really good. It really is. And it speaks to the power of music, you know. Uh, There's something about music that's inherently social, too. It sort of forces you to work with other people, perform in front of people. Um, I imagine being a novelist or something. Or my brother is a cartoonist, and uh, he makes graphic novels and stuff. And a lot of it is hold up just drawing. And where with music, it's a very social activity. There's band practices and there's shows. And it's just kind of, and it's part of local culture. It's part of your local music scene, things like that. You can't escape the social aspect of it. I'm sure there is all this too, like the art and cartooning world that my brother exists in too. I know there is, but it doesn't seem as... You know, with something like music, you become part of a local scene and that sort of thrusts you into a larger community context also. Right. And you're getting feedback, both real, you know, both verbal and nonverbal. And there's this, you know. And it's been cool to work it out through being an educator, too, to kind of connect another dot to it um, by teaching younger people how to get into music and what they can do with it potentially, you know, so they're trying to get a recording, um, education program happening at the new Stewart's facility too. So more to come on that. So we'll see. So beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What advice would you give other musicians or artists who are about to embark on parenthood? You know, you might have kids and you might not care about the art anymore. It might that was not the case for me. I think that I was, it's always been this sort of conflict 
and sort of struggle to uh, juggle both of them. Um, you know, I think when you're young, you sort of think like you can have it all, you know, and you see people, you see like your heroes, like, oh, they're these huge successes and they have kids, you know, and it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> and uh, so I think a lot of it is about um, trying to juggle uh you kind of have to have a plan. So make a plan, dedicate some time because it's really easy to just let the weeks go by and not get anything done. And if it matters to you, you have to be disciplined to make it happen. So that's the big thing. If it matters to you, you have to make it happen because yeah. it won't happen on its own. Whatever magic was working in your favor pre-parenthood will be gone. <laughs> you will not be able to rely on magic anymore. You are going to have to mend your own ways. <laughs> yeah, which actually brings me to my next question. Recently, you said something on Twitter to that effect. I think I said something. The trick to adulthood is to find magic when you don't believe in magic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and is that like kind that. of I think to what you're speaking something to? Something to that effect. Yeah, the, the idea that, um, well, I think part of being growing up is sort of there's a trajectory when you're young, and you think you have your life ahead of you, and you have hopes and dreams and ambitions, and you haven't quite been hit with the with the realities yet. So I think maybe that's kind of what like that EP was about and this next record is about too, is sort of that kind of coming to terms with realities. <laughs> coming to terms but, with gravity. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So, but uh, that said, I don't want to paint this as all bleak. I'm very like, um, I, there's a lot of joy to be had too. I don't want to paint this like, oh, I'm just so in the murk and mire here. <laughs> right, uh, right. There's a lot of joy in parenthood, too, and, um, you know, the, it was all, we planned this. This is our own doing. Right. <laughs> so, uh, a willing participants in this endeavor. So, um, but yeah, it's a lot to juggle and try to figure out how it makes all makes sense, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense, but that's okay, too. Yeah. But yeah. So I was telling Amanda earlier that you kind of caught me on a bad day where some days I feel really good about where things are at and what I'm doing and uh, like having an audience for my music. And then some days, like just like the last couple of days, I feel like I just can't finish anything and I'm just totally frustrated and I get down. So there's a lot of waxing and waning of emotions going up and down a lot but something like that. I don't know. What's, yeah. your, what's your experience, Liz? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm not supposed to turn the table. No, <laughs> yeah. hmm. no I, I, I see that too, but I, I think it's funny that you mentioned um, the magic. You can't rely on the magic of when right. you're younger. You know, I right. feel like there's a lot of truth yeah. to that in, in the sense of, 
I think I would rely on spontaneity a lot, you yes. know, sort of just right. the, oh, it'll come, you know, that song yes. will come to me or that oh, muse right. will, you know, tease stuff out. Yes. Whereas now it's, you have to schedule a date with the muse yes. and you have to, you yes. know, really, you know, get up early or do what you need to do yeah. to, you know, you got to create yeah. a plan, just like you said. Right. Yeah. yeah. I try to, when I get really down about it, I make open up the notebook and write out plans and it makes me feel better. Yeah. Something like, um, so whatever's on the horizon. So right now it's finishing this album, figuring out how I'm going to go about releasing it, what that could potentially look like, what my goals are for that. And really at the end of the day, that's, you know, if you can kind of keep things grounded and, the practice if I for myself telling myself this if I can keep things grounded in the particulars and the practical I'm a lot more satisfied with how things are going life is long yeah you know there's you know this is this current season in life um I mean it's a long season in life raising yeah. kids yeah. but uh, but it is just one period of life you know yeah um especially raising little kids The Life Soundtrack Podcast is co-produced by Liz Paul and sound engineer Adam Rich. It is a collaboration between Life Soundtrack and WOUB Public Media. You can find out more on www.lifes-soundtrack.com. Subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.